Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM. Marvelous night for a moon dance with the stars up above in your eyes. A fantabulous night to make romance neath the cover of October skies. You know, the leaves on the trees are falling to the sound of the breezes that blow. You know, I'm trying to please to the calling of your heart strength that plays soft and low. What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome aboard to the Bubba Show. Todd Bubba Horowitz, and I don't know, here we are. Markets higher. Uh, shocking. I think shocking, I tell you. Actually, not very shocking. I think we expected we expected the markets to be, uh, you know, after, you know, Friday, we saw that, you know, that uh, there was no concern. The jobs number was okay. So, you know, here we are looking for the next crisis. And, and of course, the Goldie, the Goldilocks economy, with the crappy wages, but the good jobs and the high, the high production, uh, keeps keeps the good times rolling as we get ready to head into uh, the uh, the next quarter earnings season, which starts next week. Uh, actually, I think it starts Friday. Uh, I think it starts this week. But in the meantime, I, again, I don't see any anything that's great. But but certainly, the one thing we have to remember is you, you can't fight the tape. And the tape says the market wants to go higher right here. You know, we think we're very close to a, a top. But again, we're not going to play for it until the market gives us the the what we call the green light. And the green light is just we want to see the next big sell off. And then we want to see the subsequent rally. That's always the way we look at things. And if you just take a look at the markets, they're really just in a big, wide sweeping consolidation pattern. Uh, really not doing a heck of a lot. I mean, if you go back and, and go to, to the beginning of May, you know, other than the little peak we put in uh, in early June, but basically we're stuck between, you know, 2680 and 2790. That's basically where we are. And, and, and again, we may break out to the upside. There's, there's no reason to believe that we won't go higher. But again, I, I look at different things like the, the debt and the other things. And they say, I say, well, at some point, uh, there will be a price to pay, and it may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. And I think that is the, the importance of what we must understand is to play the chart, play the market that's in front of you. You know, I mean, I've been badgering on oil, and of course, I've gotten creamed on oil, and I and I obviously admit it. I don't try to, to I I don't try to make it look like it was a great trade. Like I bought the absolute bottom after selling a big. No, I took a beating. And again, I'm, I'm in small now, but I'm looking to get in much bigger once again, but because I understand the formation. Okay. Now, again, just because I know what's going to happen doesn't mean I know when it's going to happen. And I think that is one of the biggest problems that we as traders and investors try to make is we want to be right. And we're not always going to be right. We have to be willing to be flexible to wait for that next best opportunity. And I think this is what we're looking at in, in the oil markets is to just have to wait for the next opportunity. You know, oil is not going to collapse. Even when it went from uh, 147, I think it was, uh, to, uh, to gots and goo, uh, you know, it didn't go in one day, okay? It went in, in, in a period of time. And, of course, 
at the end, it broke hard from 147 to 20 something, but it took time. It did not go in one day. Okay. So you'll have time. You will have time to, to resell it if that is in case, if that's going to be the case and the correct trade. I believe it will be. But what you want to wait for now is very similar to what we'd be waiting for in the equity market, which is just simply let the markets move. And when we get the opportunity and we see something clear that everything is in support of what we're thinking, then we'll be able to make that trade. Okay. It's no, listen, all markets are the same, they all trade the same way. So to think that that we uh, would have a problem, that would be something that I would I would just again I would say and re- recommend that you sit back patiently and wait uh, for the opportunity. Yeah, you'll miss the first big move in your direction, but you're what you're really looking for. The way you make the most when you do these things is you miss the first move. But you get the subsequent rally, and then typically you'll get a chance to to ride that move longer because you don't get spooked out on the subsequent rally. And that's always the key. It's like trying to pick tops or bottoms. If you pick the bottom, you'll typically take your profit faster than if you let the markets tell you when it's time to get in. And you buy the second bottom or the double bottom, and that usually gives you the much bigger chance to the upside. So, you know, I, I know we have the uh, big announcement today from uh, President Trump of who he's going to uh, name for his uh, Supreme Court. And it should be basically a rubber stamp through. But you, you never know. With we, we know that there will be no Democrat support. Uh, but you never know who from his own party, because, you know, not only is he hated by the left, but he is, I think, secretly or not even so secretly hated by a lot on the right. And I, again, this is this is, in my opinion, because uh, they hate the fact that he's shaken up. He's shaking the tree in Washington and hurting the lobbyists and all the people that had all these special deals underneath the table that made them fortunes. And and that's. What I think we're seeing here is is that change, uh, and I think that's what people don't like about Trump. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of things I don't like about President Trump. I think he's doing a f- phenomenal job at trying to put together uh, a business. And again, you can say what you want, but the United States is a business. And I think this is where he is hated because he is such a deal maker and because he is taking away a lot of the opportunities from a lot of the upper echelon that made their fortunes on the backs of the middle class. And and, and I think that is what is disrupting Washington. Not that they don't like him because he's, you know, whatever you want to call him. I'm not even getting into the names that he's called, but I, I don't think that's really the case. I think what's really the case is that he is not well liked because he is shaking the tree and, and taking away the opportunity. You know, you've heard about government contracts and you've heard about all these things. Well, what do you think those big money contracts are for? That's usually entitled some kind of kickback, some kind of payoff. Uh, this is not new. This has been going on for a billion years. Well, I guess I shouldn't say a billion, but it's been going on for thousands of years. There's always a little graph going on somewhere. And I think that is is the bigger issue. And I think when, when, you, when you change the way that we do business, you are changing the way that the people that are able to benefit from those things we talk about here, uh, you, you, you take things out of their pockets. I think that, I think that has to do with, I'm not going to name any names, but 
when you hear some of these big mouths whining and complaining, uh, I think that's your, that's the whining and complaining because you're really taking something out of their pockets. I think that it goes for a lot of them. And I think when you look at the big picture, those who are screaming the loud, loudest are the ones that are most likely most affected by what President Trump is trying to get done here. And I, I think that, again, this goes back to where I believe that everything should be audited uh, because I'd certainly like to see where all the money is, being, is going uh, in this world because we're certainly not being diligent in the way that we spend and the way that we do things. So I'm glad to see that he is going at it, and I'm glad to see that we're continuing to stick on these, on these trade war issues. I, again, I believe they'll be solved. But again, this is why I believe that he is the most hated is because he is affecting the bottom line of the few. And they are the ones with the power in the mouths and the ones that benefit most from the very crappy deals that we have been made over the years. In the meantime, this is the Bubba Show and I am Todd Bubba Horowitz on this Monday. Uh, and as always, it's great to have you here. And remember to download the show each and every day at LibertyTalk.fm. And don't forget to get Bubba's Daily Update, which is available to you for free. All you have to do is go to BubbaTrading.com. And every day after the close, I will send you an email with a video saying, hey, here's what happened today. Here's what I think. And here's what I think is going to happen tomorrow. So you're getting tomorrow's newspaper today. In the meantime, we're going to step out of here for a break. This is the Bubba Show. Todd Bubba Horowitz will be right back with more after the break. The Bubba Show. Todd Bubba. Welcome back to the Bubba Show. Todd Bubba Horowitz with the one, the only, the unbelievably talented Jane King, Lila Max Media, the Kaching Report. You can see her coast to coast on a lot of different networks. What's up, Jane King? Hey, Todd. Doing well? Enjoying the summer? It's like we're right in the dog days. So what was that, like six days in a row of 90 degrees? So here we are. It's July. <laughs> here we are. It's July. And, of, of course, um, We've got a, a lot of things going on and a lot of nothing going on. But, of course, the, the big midnight deadline came and went and not really a lot of action based on what that was all about. What were your thoughts? No, like a big shrug. Well, first of all, we knew it was coming. Like, we've been talking about this, you know, since really a lot since Monday. Like, oh, Friday's a big day. And it's $34 billion, So it's not a ton. It's just kind of like a little almost slap on the hand and I mean it could grow and you know we'll see what China does in response but um, I mean the president has to I mean he said he's going to do it and he has to do it I mean if he's going to win this battle on trade he has to follow through with what he threatens to do okay well let's let me go through my thoughts with you let me run you through this process you've been around for a while and you're again you're you have more knowledge than most because of your background so I say that we are, we're, we're by far the biggest economy in the world, and it's about time that somebody stood up and said, hey, what's wrong with real free trade and not having all this government intervention on trades and where you know, this government subsidizes this product? We, why don't we just have free trade across the globe, and then we won't have any of these problems, and we can actually get back to free markets? What do you think of that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's a great idea, and the president did propose that, and 
some other countries are like, eh, I don't think we want to do that. I mean, of course, we know why they don't want to do it. I mean, everybody's a short-term thinker. Uh, it would result in pain for some people. Um, in the end, it'd be freer, it'd be fair, it'd be better. It'd be better for the economy. And resources and time would go to things that are actually in demand, um, that don't need government support. So, I mean, obviously, this would be a good thing, but nobody wants to take the pain uh, that would happen with something like that. I mean, they're politicians. Right. So they can't take the job losses. They can't take the financial losses. And um, they're just short-term thinkers. That's so part of our problem. Well, here's my thought. Okay, that's all, here's what I think. I think, first of all, the only people you really hear whining about this are the lobbyists and the politicians. Okay, you don't hear the average guy in the street whining about it because it hasn't really affected them yet, nor will it probably when it's all said and done. I don't. I believe this is going to be a benefit for farmers when it gets done because I think it opens up their markets without quotas. So I think it's the lobbyists and the, and the politicians who get all that special interest money to make these deals mm-hmm. happen. I don't think they were ever good deals for America. What do you think? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, but. You know, where are the decisions made on this stuff? They're made with politicians. And, I mean, if you're going to have, I mean, news reports about an already, I mean, they've been starting already. Um, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen to Tennessee whiskey? And people are going to lose their jobs. And South Carolina is the auto industry. And, I mean, you know, there's, I mean, there's already lots of stories about it. And everybody wants to get reelected. Um, and, you know, just nobody wants to make that, nobody wants to make that tough choice. Um, they, they're afraid they won't get reelected. Somebody will get elected that will promise short-term solutions. They're going to lose their job. Nothing's going to get done. Um, so I think, I think that's what it is. And I, I think what has to happen is people who are free traders and who believe in this have to tell the story better. They have to get out there and they have to explain why this is a good thing for the next generation and going forward. There's always a risk to that, you know, the next president that's elected is going to be, you know, an Obama and it's going to go completely backwards. I mean, so, you know, people people have to believe this and people have to understand it for it to really make a long term impact. Now, no, no conversation would be complete without talking about Maxine Waters. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I mean, (laughs) you have to tell you have to explain to me how. Anybody can let somebody open their mouth like that. I mean, basically trying it's it's almost like trying to promote violence to people. Oh yeah. And and with her comments, you better shoot straight if you shoot at me. I, I mean, I I don't understand what what she thinks makes that happen, and I don't understand how anybody could possibly want to support her. But there is a few out there because somebody sent me an email saying that she was right. I go, okay, whatever. I mean, you're entitled to your opinion. This is America. I don't ever tell anybody who to vote for or who they, what they should think. I believe in free. But I'm certainly yeah. a little bit dismayed by that. What are your thoughts? Well, I think what we're seeing, and, and she's a, you know the most obvious example of this, but I hear it a lot, is that you have to be violent to get attention. And this is all worth it because it's social justice. And um, I, I really kind of blame the schools um, for teaching kids about um, that it's okay. I mean, if you're, if you're going out there and you're fighting for whatever it is that you believe in and you cause problems to society, I mean, look at the woman who climbed the Statue of Liberty. I mean, that was ridiculous. I mean, she climbed it there, risked her life, disrupted a whole bunch of people's vacations on July 4th <laughs> and jeopardized two NYPD officers' lives. I mean, do you see them? They're hanging on ropes from the Statue of Liberty. And there are people on Twitter and that, that think that she's a hero. And 
they think that because she got a lot of attention and, and um, you know, and was basically hugely disruptive. And I, I think it was terrible. And I don't think it's going to have any impact. It's not going to change policy. She's just causing problems for people. And, yes, she got attention for 24 hours. Maxine Waters gets some attention. Other people have gotten attention. But their approach is completely wrong, and I think they're going to find out how wrong it is in November. Well, yeah, I, I do think. I mean, I, I don't. I can't imagine that uh, that the the, the House you know, that the Democrats. I mean, the Republicans don't retain uh, the leadership. Uh, but I, I think one, one of the other things that we we, we look at is uh, what what's going on with the overall economy. I mean, jobs are a little bit better. Uh, things are happening, and you know, I mean, my daughter graduated uh, Ohio State and had five job five job offers in her first week out, and she's already got a job. Mm-hmm. So, I think mm-hmm. that that's starting to pick up. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I think especially if you're in the right field. I mean, it's you know, it's amazing. I mean, the economy is doing great. It's great for kids who are graduating now because you know, those first couple years, um, almost. In more cases than not, the rest of your salary kind of depends on what you negotiate and what you do in those first few years because everything builds upon that. So it's great for the kids who are graduating now. It's good. What Trump has done is good for the economy. Um, it's good. It's good for free trade. We're all going to be better off for it. And everybody just needs. To, everybody needs to just calm down. I mean, it's crazy. Like what's going on out there with the incivility and i mean i'm sure you saw the video of the guy who took the teenager's maga hat and threw a drink i mean this is not like democrats are just more emotional to begin with that's why they tend to vote on a lot of these social issues and it's really showing up with trump this is not the america that you and i grew up in as it stands right now there's a little bit of too much dissension uh there are there are some issues there's still a lot of issues but i think the issues are brought on by too much free stuff instead of people having to work. But we do have to discuss Mm -hmm. the Supreme Court. So we're going to have a a new justice brought before uh, the Senate Mm -hmm. and the the House. Who do you think it's going to be? I don't know. I I actually think he might. um, I I really don't know, but I think he might nominate uh, the woman, Amy Coney Barrett. Um, I think, one, he would like to nominate a woman. Um, I think he likes her political viewpoint. I think he knows it would drive Democrats absolutely batty, which he seems to enjoy more and more (laughs) lately. Um, So I think it it might be her. And she's young. Um, She's in her mid-40s. So it's going to be really, no matter who it is, it's going to be really tough and it's going to be really ugly. And if we thought this is ugly already, I think it's going to get even more so because this is the one thing the president does that can really control the next generation and the future of the country. So it's huge. The stakes are huge. Well, it should be. A, it, it should be almost a rubber stamp through since they hold a majority in both. I mean, but uh, we'll see. I think it'll be her or Kavanaugh, who was uh, the second choice to Gorsuch um, when it came up. But we'll we'll see how it all plays out. But as always, Jane King, you bring great things to the Bubba Show. Lila makes me the kitchen report. As always, I thank you so much. Thanks, Todd. And that was our friend Jane King from Lila Max Media and the Kaching Report. And of course, we always talk to her, uh, you know, just before the weekend and uh, get her views as she does, you know, uh, TV work uh, coast to coast. She used to work for Bloomberg and comes from a, a farming background in Indiana. So she's got a pretty good feel for what's going on. And of course, that's why we, we, we go to her to, to find out what, uh, you know, what her views are, uh, especially because she lives in that place known as uh, New York, New York, New York. And uh, 
But in the meantime, uh, you know, this is the Bubba Show, Todd Bubba Horowitz. And, of course, uh, you know, we want to remind you that uh, uh, to download the show each and every day at libertytalk.fm as you can always get our our updates and get uh, shows. And, of course, that includes The Sporting Edge and uh, Crypto Investor X and uh, The Bubba Show. And, of course, don't forget about our high school program, highschoolinvesting.com. Uh, you know, we are trying to keep this thing going after nine years, but it's becoming challenging. Thanks to many of you who have helped us through patreon.com forward slash Bubba Trading. And if you'd like to help us out, go to patreon, dot com forward slash Bubba Trading. And you can also help us continue to help educate our youth in America so we can get away from some of these ridiculous problems that are created by the people that have no idea what to do with money. In the meantime, this is the Bubba Show, Todd Bubba Horowitz. We're going to stop out here for a break, and we'll be right back with more of the Bubba Show after the break. Todd Bubba Horowitz, we're coming right back. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Lady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got The Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbyshow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at Bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at Bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. Welcome back to The Bubba Show. I'm at research.com and myself, Todd Bubba Horowitz, BubbaTrading.com. And Matt, uh, I think another big step in the, the world of the, the crypto is uh, South Korea moving towards cryptocurrencies, crypto's acceptance. So from fighting it, they're now accepting it. I think that's just another plus to the whole market. What do you think? Yeah, every, everybody that wants to fight it, you know, they can, but they're going to be left behind. It's, it's, it's not going away. So, uh, you know, I'm amazed by – look, there's plenty of coins out there that are just, you know, like they're they're just a play on currency. So, you know, Bitcoin's obviously the big one. Then you have Monero and you have uh, Bitcoin Cash and Litecoin and all these. Some of them I just I – don't, <clears throat> I don't even bother with, as you know, because they're – you know, they're all contending for the same spot and Bitcoin more or less – some of them are more or less just clones of Bitcoin. But um, – uh, be, beyond cor- currency coins, we're getting this is becoming a new way to to raise capital. I mean, there are now fifty real estate coins in the in the works. There's f- five of them are already on the market, and there's forty five that are either in the process of doing doing their ICO or they're you know they're raising money in a pre-sale kind of setup before their ICO. So. We have 45 real estate coins coming to market. So these are like asset-backed cryptos now. And, you know, our, we just had, you know, a, a good interview with the Kinesis guys. Yeah. On the as you predicted, let me give you your kudos. As you predicted this would happen, it is it is happening. So, yeah. Uh, I, I so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think it's great. So I think it's an alternative way for uh, for companies even because uh, a lot of these cryptos are, are, are – 
a lot of these ICOs are, are raising money for traditional companies that normally would have gone through the IPO process, but the IPO process is takes a lot longer. Uh, there's a lot more steps. There's more frictional costs. You got to deal with a ton of attorneys, which you do still have to do with crypto now because all the regulation. But um, uh, but there, there's just it, it's just much faster. Like, you're not going to go to the New, New York Stock Exchange and list anything unless you've reached a 100 million dollar private valuation first minimum. So uh, you know, a lot of a lot of different companies they're now looking at you know taking their their private company public, so to speak, through crypto rather than through the traditional IPO process. In fact, if you look at uh, funds raised just in the first half, this number just came out, nine, $9 billion raised uh, for crypto in the first half of this year. Last year, it was about $5 billion for the whole year in crypto. And for the whole year last year, uh, uh, New York Stock Exchange did about seven billion. So just here in the first half, crypto's you know already practically doubled what it did for all last year and has uh, exceeded what what the uh, New York Stock Exchange does in a year. So I mean it's 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 exploding. I know. I'm listening. And, and you know one of the big supporters of cryptocurrency has been Tom Lee, who's you know a very well known stock guy. Uh, and, uh, and he made some you know, very bold calls, but, you know, I mean, Tom Lee's been around a long time. He's been an, a, a well-known authorized expert in stocks for years. I think he was with JP Morgan for a while and a, a couple of the others, but, but he says he's blaming the regulators for this decline and he's cutting his forecast a little bit. What do you think of that? Yeah. I mean, it, that was a, that was the thing we were all, that was the big worry I had too, was the regulation and just coming in and. You know they're slow and they they take they're going to take their time and they're bureaucratic. And they're going to decide what what they're going to do about this. How are they going to tax it? How are they going to make sure you know it's political? It's about getting tax. It's it's just you know it's just irritating. It's it's you know, but uh, yeah, with that regulatory uncertainty, it's going to prevent institutions. They want. Institutions will deal with whatever gets thrown at it, but they just want to know what it is. Is it going to be? How is it going to be? What kind of security is it? You know, uh, and, and how is it going to be taxed and that sort of thing. And once they have clarity, then then they know what their risks are and what they can what they can do with it. And that's what's preventing the institutional money from coming in is this regulatory uncertainty. So once that gets cleared up, then then that money will come in. But until then, you know that that money's on the sidelines. Yeah, I mean, again, I, listen, I have a lot of respect for Tom Lee. I don't always agree with him, but I have a lot of respect for what he does. And, and certainly, uh, you know, he was one. He was early in this space, which obviously, if you were, you were, you're a very happy camper, even even at today's prices. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, now there's been some some slowdown and stuff in Ethereum. What what gives there? Do you have any idea what's going on there? Oh, the uh, slowdown of their network. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what you know, I think. That's it's been a problem. Like when we saw the Crypto Kitties uh, deal last year, where uh, I think we talked about this briefly, but the the you know this Crypto Kitties app basically it just it took it went viral, it took off. People were trading these you know uh, digital cats. <laughs> it's ridiculous, and it but it, be, it became popular, and just the trading back and forth of these these. 
CryptoKitties uh, slowed down the Ethereum network to the point that trading fees started going up. People people are doing real things on Ethereum, uh, couldn't get their uh, their trades through. This is a big scaling problem with Ethereum. It's one of the it's one of the critiques that you know when you talk to the Laramers, what it's how they feel about Ethereum. That's why they created uh, EOS is to to have much higher transaction uh, speed. And, you know, for them, if, you know, they're running at over a thousand transactions per second, Ethereum still at, stuck at five or eight. So uh, transactions, so per second. Um, anything, anything can clog up Ethereum at this point. They need to scale. And that's been, you know, the big criticism. And I think they have such a great team. A lot of people have faith that they will be able to, to scale, to put into place uh, the technologies to do that um eos came right out of the box that way so you know we might we'll see we'll see if ethereum can can hang in there but i think a lot of people still have faith in them and they have an excellent team so but they're taking their time unfortunately to 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 get there with the technology yeah i mean again you know eos has struggled a little bit and i know binance had trouble getting it traded right away and it's you know it's down from what was it like 13 at the high it's down nine dollars or something like that yeah, it was like a. It was actually up at like twenty three. Yeah, but yeah, it's I mean, down a lot since then. Yeah, you know, and I mean, you know, IOTA I know is 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 down pretty low right now. So, uh, you know, again, I'm not concerned. I mean, these are things that you know, I'm not trading these. I'm looking to buy them and hold them. Basically, I mean, you know, actually, I I was going to ask you this question: if you were, you know, an investor, would you say take you know a couple hundred bucks a month and just throw it into a couple of different coins and continue to invest in them and just look for the right ones and just continue to accumulate? Yeah, that's exactly what I do, and I, it average in. I, I, you know, I, I put a little bit more in while they're down, and put less in when they when they when they rise. Um, but yeah, I would look for I would look for scalability, and you know, we talked about EOS. It's scalable. It's got its critics uh, critics because uh, it's not as decentralized. You tend to give up. There's there's three things that you have you can have decentralization you can have high security and you can have speed or scale however you want to look at those three things and you tend to you tend to give up one of the three to boost the other two so it just depends on what you're you you know what you're interested in and i'm more i i want the speed and i want the security and for EOS, that's what they have, but they gave up a little bit on decentralization. So they only they only have 21 block producers, uh, which would act like miners. Whereas you know Bitcoin has you know hundreds or thousands of, of uh, miners. But although with that said, the four or five biggest ones account for over 51 percent of all the mining. So China. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So. These big mining pools, yeah, they take up a big percent. So you could make that you could t- make the argument that that you know Bitcoin really isn't that decentralized because a lot of the mining power comes from just you know four big groups or five big groups. Uh, so f- for that from that perspective, I'm happy with EOS. Twenty one is enough, and uh, and that should be enough decentralization that you know you'd have to take out all those nodes to. All, you know, not all of them, but you have to take out more than half of the 21 to uh, 
to bring EOS to a halt. All right. And then, of course, you know, as we get bigger, there's now market makers getting involved in, in this thing. And obviously, I don't think there's a need for market makers in, in cryptos because there's free markets. So I don't need a market maker in between it. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't get the. I mean, there is a lack, some lack of liquidity in certain you know pairs, but I don't see there a need for market makers. The whole point of crypto, right, is to disintermediate in, intermediaries uh, to get rid of you know the. It's to get the, rid of the crooks. Let's face yeah. it. I mean, it, it's like the Federal Reserve. In fact, in my Bubba's bottom line, my commentary was on the Federal Reserve and how they should be audited and, and not be involved. And everything because they don't do any good anyways. I mean, at the end of the day, they're so far off of what their charter was supposed to be that it's ridiculous. I don't want market makers in this. I don't need a market maker. I can make my own market. I mean, if it's illiquid, you shouldn't be trading it anyways. Don't you agree? Uh, if it's illiquid, I mean, I agree with everything. I think if it's illiquid, some of these small cryptos were illiquid, you know, on day one, but they've gone up big time. Well, so, yeah, but if you want to buy it, I, I'm sorry to cut you short, we're running a break, but if you want to buy one, then, okay, you, you're buying it to buy it. So if it's a liquid, who cares? You're not selling it tomorrow. Right. Anyways, this is Crypto. This is the Bubba Show, Todd Bubba Horowitz, and we're going to stop by for a break. But remember to download, excuse me, download the show each and every day at libertytalk.fm. And don't forget about Bubba's Daily Update, which is available to free at bubbatrading.com. Go check it out. And we'll be back with more after the break. The Bubba Show, Todd Bubba Horowitz, we're coming right back. Welcome back to the Bubba Show. Matt Demeter, DemeterResearch.com and CryptoInvestorX.com and myself, Todd Bubba Horowitz, Bubba Trading. So, Matt, uh, you know, the markets had their first up week in a, in a, in a couple of weeks. Uh, uh, action was kind of muted. Uh, you know, the trade wars came and went and, uh, you know, the big deal, of the, the strike of midnight. And, of course, we had the jobs number. But I know that you were looking for 8,000 NASDAQ. I assume that's still on your plan. Yeah, it's still still waiting to be hit. It's you know, it's uh, it's like gravity trying to pull it up in this case. Uh, so it's yeah, it's it's like or, or a magnet is basically what it, what it, how it seems to act to me. Yeah, I think we're headed to eight thousand, and then we're going to put on a, a pretty serious short position, and uh, we should get a we should get at least a correction from that level. Yeah, and are you looking for the Russell to continue higher as well? Yeah, that should also uh, let me see where we are. But it's seventeen thirty is my target. And, uh, you know, we still have still ways to go. Not not, uh, time, not, not, not that far. Not that far. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're right now the the, the, the Russell's at uh, at the 1694. I mean, you know, it's not that it's not that big a jump. It's only two percent. So yeah, it's not it's not far. Yeah. So we, we could be dealing with that this week, you know, so uh, they'll be good. Now, again, now, when you look at the indices together, I mean, the Dow has obviously been the weakest pig there's been out of everything. I mean, the the rubber band is stretching. So do you think that it pulls the Dow up with it or does the Dow just hover and then the other ones get to their targets and they break down? I think it probably well, it, it will pull the Dow, Dow up a little bit as, as long as the other ones are going up. But. You know, once we get the reversal, I assume we're going to get the reversal at NASDAQ 8000 uh, and Russell 1730. So, you know, when that happens, it will pull it down. I don't know how, how much strength the Dow is going to get out of it first. But um, one other thing that's interesting to me, it's hard to reconcile, is that uh, China, which has been so weak over the past, whatever, uh, 
two years basically since the 2015 high, uh, it hit uh, this pivot line down here. And uh, if it continues to hold, which it, it, it's held on the first hit, but if it continues to hold and doesn't go any lower than it did last week, so I'm talking about the Shanghai composite here, if it goes no lower, then this is – I'm seeing something very weird here, which is that it would be projecting up to a new high, higher than the 2015 high, which if anybody remembers, that was like a parabolic you know, spike to the upside that was uh, more than 100% higher than where we are now. So – I'm just going to have to reconcile the fact that I think the NASDAQ and, you know, the S&P and, you know, Russell and so forth are going to sell off and somehow China is going to potentially go up 100 uh, percent. But if we see a, a drop, uh, a, if we go to a lower low this week in China, that will, you know, negate what I'm talking about. So that will make more sense. But um, well, but the I mean, the, well, I know one of the things you use to track is the a ASHR, right? Yeah, and that exactly. was forty-eight in twenty fifteen, and it's twenty-five now. So mm -hmm. certainly, it's in the time that the Dow or, or the R indexes have gone straight up. Basically, this has come straight down. So couldn't that reverse that pattern? Uh, that, yeah, absolutely, it could. It's just you know usually, usually it's you know the U.S. is moving everybody else around, right? And they tend to be the, the the market leader, and you know they get followed uh, followed. So, but not with China. So yeah, why not? Maybe they could reverse. All right, so let's talk about oil. I'm I'm nauseous. I'm sick about oil. It it, it, it should have broke. It didn't break. It did get up and ran and came down a little bit. But it then once again, it's pushing its way higher again. And this what I call backwardation, which I know isn't part of your charting. But, you know, December oil is is 12 percent cheaper than uh, than August oil, which is not the right formation. So uh, what do you think of oil here? Yeah, it seems pretty significant, I, you know, because I don't follow how how, you know, wide those spreads get. But that seems pretty big. Um, the, the little peak just above 75, it was just barely over 75 and then pulled right back below. But I was OK with that. I'm still OK with, uh, you know, the idea that. You know, it could be peaking out here. Uh, it hasn't. If it goes, if it makes a new high, the, you know, then what I still have left short, I'm gonna get rid of. But you know, look, it's over. It's, it's still overbought. Daily R size, you know, right around 70. Um, it was forming a bear flag uh, up at up at the peak, and it then pulled back, like you said. And I thought it would go. I thought it would continue lower because it it didn't really unwind its overbought condition very much. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm still short, but if we break, we break up to a new high, I'm out. And then, I mean, you know, I have this target in a nine, around 95 and declining, uh, in about a year or two, it'll be back down to these levels, but that's like, that's the, that's the mega, like, if you look at the mega pattern, the really big macro pattern, that's the top of it. And that should, that should be, you know, the, the final the final final high before we basically go into an electrical car future so so you have you have 90 i have nine <laughs> <laughs> no yeah no i after after we hit you know that peak i think we're going down to yeah possibly single digits we're going so. back to the 1985 number of 975 but but you know and of course you and i talked about 1240 in gold and the low was 1238 and it did pop a little bit um I think there's a little bit more room for the, for the upside, but I don't know that it's really cured anything. I think there's probably, after this rally, there's probably more room to the downside. What are you thinking? 
Yeah, I think so too. I don't, you know, I, n- I never believe that we hit the actual low, the the final bottom, you know, at the end of uh, 2015. I don't think that was the bottom. So I, I do believe we're going to go lower than that. So, uh, yeah, we'll get a rally. Here. I mean, that's just a very big picture. But I do think we get a, you know, a bounce here. Um, on a short-term basis, my pattern got got stretched probably a little too far to the downside. Doesn't mean we can't rally. I think we will. But uh, it means that after that rally, that bounce, uh, you know, we should head back down to the downside. So I agree with you. Uh, now, I think on the other side of the coin, I think silver looks pretty good here uh, from the way I look at it. I mean, it looks to me that silver should go up and gold could go down. Am I nuts? No, no. I mean, I, silver, you know, I, I feel the same way. The The short-term pattern did not – it got respected perfectly. <clears throat> didn't get didn't get damaged. So, in fact, it had a little bit – it could have stretched a little bit further and still have just been fine. So, even if we go back down to the 1580 level – this week, if that happened, I'd be fine. I'd be a buyer. We break below fifteen, you know, seventy-five, fifteen, low fifteen seventies, the low fifteen seventies. If we break below that, I'm out. But other than that, I, I I think it's a good place to be long. I don't, but here I'm not sure how much upside there is either. I think we're going to go back up to the like sixteen sixties. 1670s again, and then you're probably going to run into a problem. So <clears throat> I, I think it's a good buy here, but I, I just don't know how much upside we right, have. Okay, but, so you think it can go up, but just you're not sure if it's, it'll accelerate and actually get to right. you know reasonable levels. Now, for the but guy- I'm long, I'm long here, and when, once we get up to that 1660 level, then I'll then I'll take another look at it and decide should we hold on or should we you know should we sell. So now you called the top of copper almost a year ago, I think it was at about 330. Okay, mm-hmm. and of course now we're down at two eighty one and making new lows we haven't seen for almost a year. Uh, what's your look at copper? Is this a buying opportunity, or is it, or is it looking for a rally to sell more? I wouldn't be buying here. The uh, the next target down I have that's this is a a very a potentially a very strong support, like a potentially a bear market support is at two nineteen, and. Uh, you know, look, that's higher than the the low we saw in 2015, like the very low. But it's a rising it's a rising uh, support that never got hit in 2015. It never even came close. But it's been rising, and it's this is like a mega bottom. So this is a at 219. So if we that would be my target for this thing, and that's still a long way down. That's substantial. Yeah, it's a substantial move lower. So hey, listen, that would actually tie in with your theory across everything, because if the NASDAQ gets to 8,000, if the Russell gets there and we do get the big correction, then certainly we would probably expect to see copper and, and those things fail, I would think. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, yes, I, I, I would. I don't know if it'll get all the way or not. I, you know, it would be cool if it did, because that would be a great buying opportunity. But, um, I, you know, I also haven't taken a look at the – I want to take a look at, uh, you know, the COT report, uh, which, you know, is delayed – uh, this week, I, I haven't looked at it yet, so um, I want to see how, because I know the commercials have been covering their short positions. I want to see how much they've, sh- of sh- uh, how much they have covered, because if they're getting close to neutral or long, then you know this might turn sooner than than I'd like. But it's still going to have that target down there at two nineteen and rising. And that was our friend Matt Demeter from DemeterResearch.com right here on the Bubba Show. 
This is Todd Bubba Horowitz. We're going to call it a day and wish you all a great day. And we'll see everybody back here tomorrow. Same time, same station, right here on The Bubba Show. Todd Bubba Horowitz, have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much. We'll see you later. Turn the quiet up. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Liberty Talk FM.